Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Android Faithful is brought to you by ListenLater.net. Do you love podcasts but wish you could listen to online articles like you listen to podcasts? Well, ListenLater.net lets you do just that. Sign up and you'll get a unique podcast RSS feed for your podcast app of choice. Then when you find an article to listen to, just send it to your ListenLater.net email address or use their bookmarklet or Chrome extension and sophisticated AI will narrate the article in a new episode on your feed. Now we've got a special offer for our listeners. Listeners. Just visit listenlater.net and purchase credits to turn articles into podcasts. After your first purchase, email contact at listenlater.net or use their support form on their site and mention you heard about them on Android Faithful. Do that and you'll get an additional 20% credit added to your balance. Get 20% extra credit at listenlater.net when you let them know Android Faithful sent you and start listening to your own custom podcast feed of articles. And we thank listenlater.net for their support. Hello, and welcome to a very spooky edition of Android Faithful, your, your weekly source of news, hardware apps, uh, community emails, interactivity, trick-or-treating, everything you've got under the sun about the world of Android. I am Ron Richards, and joining with me as always is Huynh Duet Dao, a little bit witchier than normal. And Michelle Ramon. All right. We got the gang together again for a special Halloween episode. Uh, no guests this week. Uh, as we, uh, as, as with Halloween, I didn't even, I didn't even try to book a guest cause I was like, I don't want to ask someone to do this on Halloween night. Um, so, and for those of you watching on the video show or watching on our live stream, you might notice that Wynn has got her, uh, her, her, ma- her spooky magic going on with her witch hat, right? Yes. Magic. And as usual. And to, and to, uh, and to uh, to be continued from last week, I'm not wearing sunglasses, uh, and you can see my black eye in all of its glory. So, uh, yeah, audio- unfortunately, not Halloween not ha- makeup. Not Halloween makeup. It's actually, but it's actually much better. Than, imagine how it was last week. It's much better. Um, audio podcast listeners, you have to go to the YouTube to see what I'm talking about. I fell down while running, and I landed on my eyebrow, and I got a big black eye. Um, but yeah, but Michelle is looking a okay. So, hey, okay, yeah. the most sane uh, one of us now, right now. Hopefully, hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully, indeed. Um, so we're going to mix things up this Halloween, uh, this Halloween night, uh, because we actually got an email from one of the Android faithful, which I wanted to share with everyone at the top of the show. 
um, which uh, Owen from Canada says, been loving the new show, Reincarnate, and more Michelle, but miss- missing hearing Jason every week. Since this week's episode airs on Halloween, I thought I'd share my bug droid pumpkin I just carved. And what are all of your guys' scariest Android experiences? Keep up the great show. Owen from Ottawa, Canada, an ex-Subaru family member who misses theirs every day. Um, And there is the spooky Android pumpkin that Owen from Canada put together. So if you're listening to the audio podcast, imagine a pumpkin that is carved with a little Android uh, uh, droid bot dude uh, in there. And you can go onto YouTube.com slash Daily Tech News Show to watch this latest episode. You can see it. Um, great job, Owen. Love this. Love the seasonal pumpkin. This is setting a a uh, setting a bar for future Halloween episodes. By the way, we're going to need an Android pumpkin every year now. But um, but going back to his question, what are your scariest Android experiences, Michelle? I'll start, let's start with you. When when you think of scary Android experience, what what do you think? Uh, something that made me lose my breath for a second after realizing what I had just done. And for me, that would be the time I accidentally bricked my Pixel Six A because I. I realized right after that I did the one thing that I warned others not to do, and that was to, um, I forgot exactly how it worked, but there was a moment where Google said, don't flash an older version of the OS because they implemented like rollback detection. And then uh, I think I did the order of the installation wrong when I was updating my phone, and then uh, all of a sudden my phone wouldn't boot up. Yep. Fortunately, I just gotten it, so I just sent it back to Google, and they they returned it just fine. But uh, I was like, Oh my god! What did I just do? <laughs> Please don't tell me I have a paperweight in my hand. Scary indeed. So, um, oh, that reminds me of I would say a scary experience. I want to speak not of my own, but uh, on behalf of Jason when we were doing this oh. week in Google when he locked himself out of his Google account via his phone via two factor authentication live on air um, because he was using Google Voice as his number as his number and he couldn't access it. That was scary. But for me. My scariest Android moment wasn't software related, but hardware related. When I had my beloved Nexus, uh, no, I think it wasn't Nexus Five because Nexus Five had the rubberized back. It was the Nexus Four that had the glass kind of ba- the, the one of the fir- early glass back ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I was at a bar with a marble bar, and I was just kind of nervously tapping my phone, and then I tapped it on the bar and felt it go chink and the whole thing shattered <laughs> and that was the first oh and God. you guys know me i'm very uh anti-case so after many many years of saying i don't need a case i don't break phones blah 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 there it was i broke a phone it wasn't even like a good phone break it was just literally just <laughs> nervously tapping it on a marble bar that did it so now you weren't you weren't saving someone yeah. from a runaway train or yep. something it was just yep, nervous exactly. ticks so um how about you and what, what is your scariest any, de- um, any dev horror stories or Oh, God, too many and too esoteric for this group. Um, I will say, as a, as a dev, the scariest thing is hearing that people are doing very heavy computational work on the main thread, which is the thread that runs the UI. So basically, it's like, you know, the, the UI thread, sorry, so this is the dev thread. The UI thread or the main thread is where all of the UI stuff happens. You draw on it, like scrolling happens on it. So generally, you don't do anything heavy on it, because what happens, then you get janky, then you get drop frames. That's when your phone looks like it's janky. And then finding out that um, someone was doing all kinds of things. Uh, I won't say what, because it will basically pinpoint who I'm talking about, uh, was doing all this stuff that you're supposed to do on a different thread in the background on the main oh. thread was very scary. I wish I could describe it more. I'm not going to do that. Um, my second scariest thing was leaving, was realizing that I left my Nexus 5 in a taxi in New York City. Oh, man. It was so sad. (laughs) And by the way, y'all, I'm so sorry. I'm literally sitting in front of my front door and we do have a bowl out, but some, some 
friendly neighbors are probably going to be, you're going to hear trick or treat and my husband behind me. I'm so sorry. I'll try to meet one. It's all right. All good. It's Halloween. That's a part of the game. So, okay. All right, cool. Well, so there's our, uh, scary Halloween stories and thank you, Owen from Canada for sending that. That was awesome. Um, and I'm telling you now, everyone, the bar is raised. I want Thanksgiving emails. I want Christmas. I want Hanukkah. I want everything you guys celebrate, make it Android and send it in. Cause that's part of living the Android faithful lifestyle. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, speaking of the Android lifestyle, when you have some tales from the road for us, right? I did. So, I just got back yesterday from Nashville, Nashville from my cousin's wedding. This is the only reason I'm dressed up this year, by the way, is that she had her wedding on Sunday. And so she had to cop to a Halloween theme. She wasn't going to do it for a wedding. So we had a party. So that's why I have a hat this year and other things. So we left through Nashville airport. So on the way in, we have clear. So we just did that. But on the way back from Nashville, the clear line was so gummed up. And also because we talked about it last week, we decided to use our Colorado state IDs for a TSA. In, in, and it was great. In Google Wallet. In Google so Wallet. So if you didn't so listen we, last week, we talked yeah. about how several states, including uh, Huynh's own Colorado, allows mm-hmm. you to load your state ID into Google Wallet. And we joked about what is the practical use of that. Um, and right now it sounds like TSA is the only practical use TSA of it. TSA is pretty much yeah. the only use of it. Yeah. Uh, so basically when you go to the TSA check-in point, you will see the wireless code and it does have a sign that says, hey, you can uh, scan your electronic ID. And it was so funny because the TSI got, TSA guard was ready with the spiel of, okay, sir, bring out your boarding pass and your ID to my husband. And before he'd even noted, noted anything, my husband scanned his phone, you know, with the Colorado ID up. And before either any of us knew it, he went through the confirmation screen that said, Hey, you're sharing your, you know, age, gender, yada, yada. And he was checked in, didn't, didn't have to pull out anything out of his wallet. It was all done. And the guard, the security uh, officer was super delighted. He was so surprised that we did it. And he said that in the seven months that he's been working there, no one has used it. We were his first go through with the wallet. And I, I did it too, right after him. It was easy. Just had to unlock my phone. Uh, I did have to use, uh, maybe my husband did the same thing. I have to ask him. I did have to, uh, fingerprint ID, went through the confirmation. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. It was awesome. Well, so and there's a question in the chat from Cousin Jaws. Yeah. Wasn't there a problem with the fold camera and the license in some way, shape, or form? That, yeah. that was registering it. That was registering it. Yeah. So that was when I went through Google Wallet to register my ID from the state of Colorado with the service. That was the issue, but in terms of actually using it, no problem. It just needed that wireless, uh, you know, the wireless, the the wireless uh, sharing or QR code. So once it's in, it works. It's just getting my my license and wallet was the pain in the ass. Um, But it was great. We were all delighted. It works really well, y'all. And yeah, I mean, if you're comfortable with it, it works really well. And you could delight a a TSA officer with it. I love the story here that it happened, you loaded it, and then got to use it all in the span of two episodes here. In the span of two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I wonder how long it'll take for that magic to wear off. Like, you know, there was a period where everyone was new to Google Pay and Apple Pay, and it was like, what did you just do with your phone? And mm-hmm. now everyone's like, yeah, I've seen that a million times already. Yeah. So, so that's the thing though. And I think with us being savvy, us having to confirm the, the, the information and, and go through that flow is no big deal. And also having to, for me to having to authenticate myself biometrically, I could see it becoming a problem if a lot of people use it and are just, you know, not that savvy or not familiar with doing a lot of scanning of, of, of things electronically. I could see it becoming a bottleneck and becoming less cute. I absolutely, but for us, it was great. We just breezed on through. So nice. that's my husband. I'm sorry. He's laughing at some cute kids probably. 
<laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right, with that said, so why don't we dive into the news? And I know the the whole Google antitrust thing has been going on, and we haven't really talked about it, so we thought uh, this week was a good time to check in, right, Wen? Yeah, it's it's kind of a there's a lot of there's a lot going on, and in particular of note is that on Monday, October thirtieth, uh, Sundar Pichai actually did testify in court, and a lot of his testimony and a lot of what the um, you know the U.S. U.S. were focusing the U.S.'s case focusing on on Monday was basically the idea of default search. You know, there was a lot of basically asking Pichai in various different ways, in various different forms of the question. Are, do you believe that search engine defaults are valuable? And kind of over and over again, there was like a large theme of basically trying to get him to admit to, you know, the uh, of Google's kind of approach and valuing of default search. They talked about, you know, way back in 2005, the Google, you know, I think top, top lawyer was talking to the Microsoft then general counsel about, you know, how terrible and user hostile the uh, Internet Explorer search, a default search engine setting was and about how, you know, it was preventing people, users from using their preferred Google or search engine of choice, which, which then, of course, was including Google. And it's funny to see now 2023, how that story of, hey, we're just we're in it for the users and letting people use what they want has turned around a bit to okay, has this become, you know, user advocacy or is it becoming, you know, big business moves? And a lot, and something that did come out, of course, and you've probably already heard on the news is like the different deals that Google has made to make their search engine default search engine, of course, very notably is their many billions of dollar deals with, uh, you know, kind of like exchanges with Apple. But something that is most relevant to us on Android Faithful is that, you know, part of this default search has been revenue share, um, of, you know, this kind of like, hey, paying to be the default search. A lot of this is revenue shared with Android OEMs like Samsung, HTC, and Motorola. And it's not just like revenue sharing. It's like, hey, we partners, we, you know, we make, we making y'all, you know, part of the, part of the payday. It actually, as Pachai testified on Monday, part of this revenue share is basically bribing is not the right word and I don't want to <laughs> imply that there's some actual legal thing, but you can say strong arming, you can say paying them to do updates. Mo- so, motivating them. How's that? Motivating yeah, them. Like Google motivated their <laughs> OEMs to stay in line yeah, with, an with, um, with operating, uh, operating system updates, you know, and, and what he, you know, what he says here, you know, we're looking at article nine to five Google and, and we've kind of been, we've been laughing this whole, not laughing, but like, you know, chuckling, you know, these past couple of days because, you know, a lot of the, obviously a lot of the blogs and the sites and the press are getting very, very creative and clickbaity uh-huh. with their terminology and their language and stuff like that. But what it, what it goes down to it and what Pachai said on the stand was, you know, he confirmed that the revenue share um, that, that these companies can get from Google are dependent on devices getting security updates. So in order to get the revenue share, they need to make sure the devices stay up yes. to date with security updates. And he says more effort goes into developing the next version and updates are costly. So sometimes they make trade-offs, uh, which refers to the tendency of brands to less frequently push security updates. And I know that's something yeah. that we talk a lot about, like, when are you getting this update? Who, what, you know, what, when did this device get this update and things like that? Um, and, you know, while they're still, you know, making Google the default or they have deals to make Google the default search provider and make sure it's got, you know, pro- you know, prominent placement throughout there, um, the, the little bit of the revenue share to push those updates was a revelation in this trial, I guess, right? Um, and again, it goes, it, it goes, I'm sorry, Michelle, but it goes, it goes back to, you know, like, 
Google's do no evil kind of motto from 20 plus years ago now is constantly going to come bite them in the ass because they are balancing shareholder value and shareholder expectations and the need to be a business and drive, uh, you know, to be a company that, that actually delivers value to their shareholders out there, a publicly traded company. And like reading about this and understanding that they provided financial incentives to the OEMs to make sure the devices stayed up to date. It, mm-hmm. it, like in business that I've conducted, that makes perfect sense. I'm not surprised in the least. And I don't know why this has been a fury storm around it a little bit. I don't know, Michelle, you were going to say something or. Yeah. I mean, you have to keep in mind that updates are expensive to do. It's mm-hmm. not like it's something that they, any OEM can just continue to invest indefinitely, especially like the, one of the reasons why Google's promise of seven years of OS feature and security up is so significant. It's just because of how expensive it is to do that. Yeah. You have to pay, all the engineers who are actually doing the the maintenance, the work to port all the new features and security patches and everything, you have to pay to have the certification testing done. You have to pay the carrier testing to be done. Right. You have to pay for the infrastructure and the rollout. So yeah, it's expensive for OEMs to to update their devices, and any incentive they can get to you know offset that cost it will be helpful and of course you know very beneficial to the ecosystem as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always weird because I think trying to when I was reading the story, I was trying to think about you know how I felt about things, and obviously um, we are not legal ab- experts or you know you know uh, CEOs of multi billion dollar conglomerates, but it, and I know like the one, some of the clickbaitiness is like oh Google's evil, Google tries to say they're not evil, but as you said, Ron, they are have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders, and that's yeah. not that's that's not that's always at odds. I mean, it's always at odds. It's, with, it's always at odds, yeah. and certainly. It's easy to also complain to Google on the other side when updates don't happen. People love using that F word fragmentation. So it certainly there is, there's something to be said for any competitiveness for mm-hmm. the inability, uh, or the difficulty that other search engines like DuckDuckGo and smaller players have mm-hmm. in encroaching the space because they don't have this kind of revenue share or, you know, power to play with the OEMs or to throw money around to get, you know, get themselves positioned, you know, strategically. But. Given the economic system that we are in, I don't think it's that black and white to say this is an evil and thing. It's also worth noting that it's not just it's not just free money that Google is giving in exchange for <laughs> yeah. you know like is is paying them to have them do updates, right? Right. We don't know the exact terms of the revenue sharing agreement, but there's presumably a lot of other stipulations, like say you have to implement this feature, you have to add this app, you got to roll out this feature, you got to do this or that, right? There's obviously something else in it for Google besides just uh, ensuring that devices stay updated. That's obviously one of the new revelations that we got yes. from um, Sundar's testimony, but there are presumably a lot of other things that we're just not privy to. Quid pro quid pro quo HTC something like that. I don't know. Well, I can't do. What, what I also think is funny is that like they're talking about strong arm tactics to incentivize the OEMs to do security updates. Like, it doesn't yeah, that benefit right? the end user in, in the, I mean, and it's like, and I know it's very easy for us, you know, here we are with a show called Android Faithful, and we're, we mm-hmm. tend to probably be more pro Google. And I hope that, and I know a lot of folks at Google are listening, and we thank you for listening, and we appreciate it, and we love you, and you, you guys are the best. Um, we love talking about you. And I would say, like, we are more, we, we are, you know, like, I am I do, I am a fan. I, we are rooting for Google, but also one thing that we did on our previous show and one thing we'll continue to do on this show is hold Google to tasks to do ultimately what we think is mm-hmm. right for the users. And I can't argue a tactic to get more security updates on phones because doesn't that protect the users? Like, that's not a bad thing. So um, if Google's doing something, 
you know, not great in our eyes. Trust me, I'll be the first to call him out on it. You know, like we got the, the whole thing of this uh, of this whole everything that we do is built on absolute fairness and and treating Google with the utmost responsibility because they're building this ecosystem that that we're all playing in, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And we know, I know those people over at Google know that and believe in it also. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. But um, interesting. So we'll see how the rest of this antitrust. Uh, uh, case continues uh, very dramatic but uh when you did say the f word um fragmentation yeah yes. so michelle that's a great segue right <laughs> right so if you remember many many years back uh google used to have this online dashboard where you can go and see the distribution of android versions online well they discontinued that because maybe they got embarrassed by the constant headlines of, you know, many devices are running older versions. It was pretty embarrassing. So now, I mean, like we used to every couple yeah. of months. We used to track it on the old show like monthly. Like we were like we were on top of it. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. So now we do still get some um, updated statistics, but only once every couple of months. So the last time we got statistics from Google was back in June. And now earlier this month, Google updated statistics that are available to developers in Android Studio to reflect the latest data that's available as of October 1st. So according to this um, latest data, Android 13 has finally taken the top spot. It's the most widely used operating system um, at approximately 22.4%. Second place would be Android 11 at 21.6%. Third place is Android 10 at 16.1%. And then fourth place is Android 12 at 15.8%. So um, these percentages obviously change all the time because OEMs are releasing updates. There are new versions rolling out, like uh, Android 14 was just released, and it's just a, barely a blip on the radar because only Pixel phones run it, and now Samsung's starting to roll about, which we'll talk about later. Um, so like right, right now, the percentage of users who are on supported versions of Android, which would be Android 11 later, you know, is now 59.8%, which is up from 54.4% back in uh, June when the last time we were tracking the statistics. And it is just interesting to see how the movement of OS versions has changed over the last couple of months because we don't get these because we don't get these statistics from Google very often. And they're really the only ones who are able to track this kind of data because they have access to every single device that is running Google mobile services or Google Play Store or Google Play Services and et cetera. And those are installed on billions of devices worldwide. So really, they're the only ones who can give us this kind of insight into what OS versions people are actually running on their devices. Yep. So I'll take a moment to sp- to point out the important factors of this chart and all this discussion is that here we are at Halloween and uh, Kit Kat, Lollipop, Nougat are all <laughs> still present in the charts, which is great on for kids and trick-or-treaters and things like that. I got many, many candy bars and Nougat in there. Uh, my kids love the Lollipops they got today. I've been munching Kit Kats all day, so that's great to see. Um, and then secondarily to that, um, after Android version 9, Pi, how depressing does it get where it's just 10Q, 11R, 12S, 13T? Why couldn't – just indulge us. We know you use the names. Wasn't Q was Quince and R? Like they, like they have dessert names. Let's just bring it back, Google. Come on, guys. You know, It's, it's, it's like they, do, they actually do use them, yeah. but they just aren't sharing them. Right. Which, which is weird. Which is weird. Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense if when you think about it. Like obviously for us English speakers, it's easy for us to guess, you know, oh, this comes next alphabetically, right? But if you're translating it for other languages, like how are you going to translate Oreo. Quince Tart? 
and then red velvet cake and then like have it make sense oh how are people going to know that this comes after just the use the version? red velvet cake for fun <laughs> what where's the fun michelle come on can we have some fun with android again like i haven't had any fun since version nine they should have just had localized versions like just yeah. pick you know local right. you know like local treats i actually uh between myself and uh my friend uh at my old job in vishnu we were like we were like suggesting like vietnamese and like uh indian treats too just like come on just just globalize it a little bit or something you know have it like but yeah and yeah. we don't want us to have fun no fun yeah no more so, i don't know boring maybe it's but- a sesame street integrate you know it's not integration sorry engineer brain uh sesame street collabs or something you know like this version of android brought to you by the letter u right. or something yeah, yeah. Like something like have that. some fun with it. Come on, have it. Yeah, but um, but yeah, but de- definitely very interesting. I love seeing this stuff. I love seeing the fact that so KitKat is the oldest version that's still out there. Kiosks around the world still running KitKat and Lollipop, right? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> about that, a lot of those kiosks and stuff that are running Android aren't even counted in these statistics. Really, these are only statistics that count devices that connect to Google Play. Oh, and a lot of kiosks and embedded devices they don't have Google apps at all yeah so there's uh, this percentage of users of devices that are actually running those older versions is probably higher than what's actually shown here yep and um uh, everyone should go follow michelle on threads for this although i'm sure you posted this everywhere else but this just happens to be your threads like yeah. i love how michelle mixes up his links but he actually wrote because it's hard to read in that chart what the actual percentages are um but did you know good job on doing the math and the subtraction and stuff like that so you can see what each version is um on his post uh, and what the change to the last time that we saw it was so very cool but this also means that basically large markets like China and even, you know, kind of not non Google Play Store or things like Amazon Fire tablets, they have, they don't count in this at all. So we don't actually so you're as you're saying, we we actually have no idea what the, you know, major mar- another major market has has in terms of distribution. This is yep. just the segment that fits in the Google Play box. So things could be totally different in China. Yep. Uh Absolutely. which would be cool to know. Indeed. <laughs> I never will. So, cool. Um, and Clinton in the chat said he saw Michelle on Mastodon. Uh, uh, Michelle does hit them all. Uh, he's a hardworking hard, man. Hardest man in Android commentary. We, we love him. So, all right. So, um, keeping on the topic of Google and Android, a couple of uh, little notes in around Android that we want to make sure everyone is aware of. Um, been tracking this story uh, related to uh, issues with Android 14 for some users accessing storage. Um, Google has now in, in the uh, support uh, area for Pixel phones uh, confirmed this is a known issue. They said they, they're aware of an issue occurring on some Pixel devices, Pixel 6 and later, that have gotten the Android 14 update and have multiple users other than the primary user. Um, and multiple users include users, guests, child users, restricted profiles. It does not include uh, work profiles. And basically what's happening is that depending on the device, uh, the user, the primary user would be unable to access media storage. Um, they're also seeing a, uh, a boot loop issue that is happening, um, which is no fun. Uh, the Pixel is starting boot loop. Um, so they, they, uh, they're expecting that there's going to be a fix for this rolling out soon. So stay tuned if you're de- dealing with it. Um, and they're sorry for the inconvenience and appreciate everyone's patience. So, um, I don't know, Michelle, Michelle or when have you, either of you run into this or have we seen how rampant this is or goodness? No, that's scary. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is a really, really bad bug. Yeah. It's especially huge. to have like on the stable release of Android 14. Right. That's not good. I, I mean, the whole Android 14 journey has been a little bumpy, like in in terms of with the delay and then now this. Like, it, it just seems 
something ha- something you know a little gremlin slipped through the cracks i feel for i feel for the developers chasing that that stuff down so yeah, yeah. it's it's and it's yeah. bad because i think at a lot of places i've worked basically losing user data at least should be the biggest sin you can commit like yep. anything else is fixable but if you're losing user data that is no bueno and i'm or at least give having them lose access to the in a very significant way it's just uh. yep so um so if anybody's suffering from this, stay tuned. We hope you you aren't, but uh, you know, yeah, right, right in and, and vent, right in and yeah, let us know. So, um, so additionally, uh, over on the Android Developers Blog, um, a couple of days ago, they announced some policy updates uh, centered around app quality on Google Play. Um, as the Google Play team continues to protect users and ensure that uh, developers are elevating the quality of their apps. Um, and this latest update is basically setting some guidelines for safe generative AI apps, excuse me, um, safe generative AI apps. Um, and this kind of ties into Google's commitment to responsible AI practices. Um, and we all know that AI is a hot, a hot button topic. Um, and so they're, uh, introducing some more policies and guidelines. If you are developing an app that uses generative AI, uh, stuff that you need to follow to make sure that it is uh, remaining to be a safe app. Um, and then additionally, they're expanding some privacy protections, um, you know, across app permissions. Um, uh, per the new policy, apps will only be able to access photos and videos for purposes directly related to app functionality. Um, so apps that have a one-time or infrequent need to access these files are requested to use a system picker, such as the Android Photo Picker. Um, and it's basically, again, it's like saying, hey, we have all these permissions. Just because we have them doesn't mean you need them. And if you have an app that doesn't have a need to access uh, media, uh, photos or videos, then don't do it. And instead, use the system, the, the system picker, which I think are some good changes. So, when as a developer, how closely do you guys follow these kind of guidelines? Mm, so, if you're at a good shop, you try to follow them closely where your business product people allow you to, but you really do try to, especially in some of these cases, especially um, you may get warnings or get booted or otherwise get your hand slapped by Google. Yes, you follow them at a bad shop or someone there. Let, let me rephrase. There are companies that will basically not care until they get their hand slapped. So, for me personally, it's of the utmost importance to follow these things, mostly because I want to be compliant and I want I don't want any surprises for my product people. But it happens, y'all. Sometimes the business makes some decisions, isn't it? Isn't it? They make decisions yeah. or they don't give us time to do things. And yep. please follow them death here. So it, it kind of goes both ways. And yeah, it's just like any other person, right? If someone gives you if you have you have a little bit of leeway, you might decide to take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good developers care. All right. I think also one thing is good developers are actually keeping track of these changes and policy announcements. Because a lot of developers will only start caring once they get warnings and announcements yes. in the play console versus these blog posts that Google put being out. Proactive like the, about it, being proactive about it. The media thing you yes. talked about, yeah. like mm-hmm. that is not taking effect until early 2025. That's yes. when they'll actually crack down and force apps only with apps with core functionality mm-hmm. relying on it to actually use those permissions. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're not following this announcement, you're not reading this announcement or you're not sign up to the newsletter, you might not miss this. You might not see this happening until it's like you only have like a month to do it or something. Yeah. yeah and it, it definitely, as you said, it definitely takes a good developer. And it, and it's but at the same time, it's not like this stuff is 
behind a hidden handshake behind, you know, a lot of locked keys, you just have to pay basic attention and and know what you're looking for and and be understand that's to some degree, there are places that just don't have experienced developers to know that. And then they have to be reactive, but. And another uh, thing is like um, a lot of places where they like hire a developer, like a contractor to work on something, but like the actual company that's using the app is not like, logging into the console they're not getting they're not keeping up with the news so then they only get this announcement like a week before the man the the Mm -hmm. enforcement goes into effect and they contact the developer like hey can you fix this so like there's a lot of complicated things you can't assume like the yeah the app the the company that made the app is always the one working on it at that moment always yeah yeah and it's a very complicated and we actually got a a great question in the chat which is basically like uh from cousin again says uh how do the hand slaps and being booted for dev work on an app uh, does it ding you personally or only the company? I got to imagine it just dings the company, right? Not not the developer uh, personally, right? Usually, again, it depends on the shop. A good, a good place kind of recognizes that maybe the first time it happens, they realize, okay, maybe we have a discrepancy or something we're not paying attention to. Let's make a plan to figure, you know, for the next, let's pay more attention, basically. Let's be more careful next time. And I mean, usually I, I think we, I've been at places where we made mistakes or yeah. we did something wrong. We pay attention to it. Human. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're upfront about it and, and you're at a place that understands that and you make, you, you learn from your mistakes and try again, then you're good. I'd say there are bad shops and I've, I've had friends, personal experiences where they love throwing. There are people, places that will they will throw you under the bus. So it really but, depends. But you're, on- you're talking about the actual the actual uh, organization where the developers are, but in terms of Google, it's the, oh. these dings happen on the play console. Yeah, all the time. But, but but against the app, and therefore the company submitting the app, the, the Google doesn't know who the developer who did that is, right? They're not calling. Oh a de- no! Yeah, oh yes, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, it's always again. Sorry, my bad. I misunderstood. Yes, yeah. it's usually against the publisher itself. So if you are, that's why it's always good to have an LLC, y'all, for independent. Well, yeah, hundred um, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> percent. But yes, yeah, I mean, no, like, it's, great, it's great, a great example from my point of view. Like so, my uh, my app Scorbit is you know in the Google Play Store. I've hired developers to work on it, but the app is in the Google Play Store against our company. And so if there's a problem with it, we see it on the company level, then it's up to us to go talk to the developer who, who made the change and figure out why and figure it all out. It's the organization. It's who mm-hmm. the pub, app publisher in the Google Play Store is not the individual developer. So Yeah. yeah. So it, yes, yeah. 100% publisher responsibility. Got it. Cool. All right. Interesting stuff. Um, so with that, we're going to move right along and want to take this moment to kind of remind everybody that you can support Android Faithful over on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Android Faithful. Um, we love our supporting patrons. They're fantastic. We've got multiple levels that you can sign up for. Uh, five bucks a month gets you uh, uh, access to our Discord um, and helps you. And that's the base level where you can help us choose a story to talk about on the show. Um, and for $10 a month, you get all that plus a, uh, plus an exclusive sticker and access to our ad-free podcast feed. And then, of course, at $20 a month, you get the sticker, the Discord access, the ad-free podcast feed, but you also get a T-shirt, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then if you're crazy, if you want to pay 500 bucks a month, you can come on the show and be wanna be with us, um, which I'm daring somebody to do. Um, but no matter what level you do, everybody gets to participate in helping us pick a new story to talk about on the show each week. Um, and this week we had, uh, we always have three stories, a little bit of a slow news week. Brian commented, got to say a week set of choices this week it was a slow news week um but so uh coming in last was samsung's 2025 phones could be pricier than ever um talking about a rumored price increase about samsung um as it relates to qualcomm that only got 11 percent of the vote um 23 of the vote coming in second uh got uh yes google search bars uh search bars and google apps have gotten bigger 
um, specifically talking about Gmail and other Google apps and how the search bar has gotten bigger. Um, but the winning story that we're talking about this week got 66% of the vote is the Pixel 8 Pro display is more power efficient than its competitors. Um, and this is coming out of a report uh, after digging in with the Pixel 8 Pro um, that its display is, you know, as it says, quote unquote, leaps ahead of Samsung and Apple, uh, at least according to here on 9to5Google. Um, Michelle's oh, reacting. Just, just a quick note on that. When you when you said leaps, I actually talked with Dylan Raga, who's the guy who yeah. is doing the display analysis for XA developers. Just a quick note. A lot of places have misinterpreted what he said when he said leaps ahead. <laughs> he didn't mean that as in it's leaps better than Samsung and Apple. Isn't it? Isn't it's just slightly better? Like so it, it, they it, have so leaped what? ahead in place of Samsung. And Apple. English is fun, isn't it? Yes, right. It is. So yeah. so so the Pixel was behind <laughs> Samsung and Apple, and with the Pixel yes. A Pro, it leapfrogged over them, but yeah. but only marginally ahead. As opposed right, right. to the connotation of leaps ahead, where the Pixel 8 Pro now is yeah. like several yards down the field away from Apple yeah. and Samsung, which is not the case, right? Right. Uh, th- that's a that's a great uh, that's a great clarification. Thank you for that, Michelle. And here uh, we've got Dylan's uh, post on X, um, where he's talking about the uh, display power efficiency, comparing it to the Pixel 7 Pro and Apple and Samsung. Um, and here you can see how it leaps ahead, uh, waka waka. Um, but yeah, the Pixel Pro uh, at 960 nits at 3.0 watts, um, which is uh, which is above the Pixel 7 Pro at 960 nits at 6.4 watts. Um, so yeah, so it's clear here you can clearly see that it's ahead of Samsung and Apple, but not leaps ahead. So I think the real takeaway is just how power inefficient the pixel 7 pro's display was it was really <laughs> that's the bad. real story here is how bad the pixel that's 7 the was Just look at it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too funny so, i think dylan also um, mentioned it. i don't know he i called it out as being really power inefficient yeah um well that's great good job on dylan um i don't know i've been using the pixel 8 pro I, I you know i think the display is super super nice um it continues to be my daily driver continue to be continues to be doing well um, you know, I, I don't have an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy uh, S23 to compare it to, um, nor am I looking at the wattage usage of the displays. But hey, it looks 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 pretty for me. So, I did use the Pixel Eight as my camera f- at my cousin's wedding. Oh, yeah, good, real good, real good, y'all. I got it's. I gotta admit, I've been I've been getting some really good pictures on that on that this phone. Yes. It's been you know to to the point where I was at my kid's soccer game this past weekend and it was like picture day and I snuck in there took a picture of this the team and I sent it to the parents and someone's like oh my god your camera's real good, so good right like it came out really really well I, I would show that photo but it's like 10 five-year-olds which I don't think is appropriate to show without permission so yeah but uh, <laughs> it's good y'all I mean I, I I mean we're biased of course but I'm hyped yeah. I'm, I'm taking this camera to Japan hopefully I have some good Japan pictures cool. so you want to get back all right well uh so go to patreon.com slash android faithful where you can vote in uh the patreon pick for next week's show and we're gonna have some cool other stuff coming up for patreon coming very soon so uh those of you who are on board patreon we thank you and expect cool stuff coming soon those of you thinking about it hopefully uh you'll you'll take the leap and and support us we really appreciate it <laughs> Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. 
Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Um, call back. But we're talking about cameras and the Pixel 8 Pro, and I feel like that's a great segue to go right into hardware because uh, there's a new a new player has entered the stage, hasn't it, Michelle? Not player. I don't know but if I'd call them new. But no, but a new a new device, a new device has entered the stage. <laughs> yeah, so Xiaomi um, announced the Xiaomi 14 series, which is actually the first smartphone to feature Qualcomm's new Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 that we talked about last week. And of course, the phone is more than the chips that it has, new display tech, new cameras, new charging, stuff like that. So overall, there's so many things Xiaomi is packed into the Xiaomi 14 series. It's their flagship, their highest end um, device um, series. They have a lot of devices, and this is you know their top end um, device series. So the Xiaomi 14 has a 3,000 nit brightness display. Oh uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know what it is with uh, smartphone makers this year. Like we had the Pixel 8 with 2,400 nit ultra bright display, and now we have the Xiaomi 13 series with a 3,000 nit brightness display maximum brightness um both the xiaomi 14 and the xiaomi 14 pro have an ltpo display that goes from 1 to 120 hertz they also have new camera sensors they have a light fusion 900 image sensor on the non-pro you have a 1 to 1 over 1.3 image sensor size on the pro you have a variable aperture lens that goes from um, f 1.42 to f 4.0 you also have an upgraded ultra wide camera to 50 megapixels um, you have Xiaomi Loop Liquid Cool Technology. You have, of course, super fast charging on both models, 90-watt wired charging on the non-pro, 120 watts on the pro. Uh, and both of them have ultra-fast 50-watt wireless hypercharge. Um, other features that they both have, they have four microphone arrays with stereo Dolby Atmos speakers 
And uh, interestingly, the non-pro has a USB 3.2 port that maxes out at 5 gigabits per second versus the pro that has a 10 gigabit per second um, transfer rate. And I thought that was interesting because it kind of mimics what Apple did with the iPhone 15 series. The non-pro has like a 5 gigabit per second USB 2 port. The pro has a, a 10 gigabit per second um, USB 3 uh, port. And so like these phones, of course, they were only announced and they're only available right now in China. So, you know, if you are listening to this show somehow and you, and you live in China, you can go and pick one up right now from uh, one of the stores there. Or if you live in Hong Kong, you can go to that store that everyone seems to get every phone from that's available on like immediately after. Uh, I don't know why it's skipping me off the top of my head, but Ben, I saw he already has one in his hand. And I'm like, how do you guys get these devices? So, <laughs> so quickly, right. We have to wait months. Like, I, have, I don't know when Xiaomi's going to release this globally, but we got to wait a couple yeah. of weeks at, at least before we can get our hands on the Xiaomi 14 series. They, they also announced the, the Xiaomi. Uh, they, did, they, they went the full like lifestyle approach here because the Xiaomi Watch S3 got announced as well as their uh, Xiaomi S Pro mini LED TV. Right, and their built-in refrigerator door. <laughs> right? so yeah, you got to keep in mind, Xiaomi makes literally everything. Right, yeah. demand. You could fit a house they're, they're, full of stuff that are only made by Xiaomi. Their washing machine, right? Which is cool. But um, but yeah, but uh, you know, Xiaomi, you know, with the major update to the 14 line, and and with that also came OS updates, right? Yeah, they're doing some interesting software-related stuff. Unfortunately, right now, because we don't really have our hands on a Xiaomi 14, we don't really know what they mean by a lot of the words they're saying. <laughs> Because, you know, as, you're, as you'd expect, if you read Xiaomi's press release on HyperOS, there's a lot of, I'll just say it, buzzwords in it. Cross-end like, really cross intelligent like, connectivity. <laughs> <laughs> like, my, the, from my understanding, basically, HyperOS is a rebranding, but not just a rebranding of MIUI, but they're trying to basically come up with a new branding for their entire operating system suite yep. across their devices. So HyperOS is not just their Android-based OS for their smartphones, but it's also their OS for their IoT products. It's their OS for their smartwatches, their OS for their TVs. It's the unified branding for their operating systems for all the devices they make. Right. And uh, yeah, it is basically just an evolution of MIUI. It's not like a, it's not, not Android. You know, it is still Android on me on the uh, Xiaomi 14 series. It's running Android 14, but it's just a new branding and presumably some new features and some new UI changes. We just don't know what because we don't have our hands on the phone. Well, it's exciting nonetheless. Good God, Xiaomi! I love the buzzwords. That's always fun, right? So, um, looking forward to somebody getting their hands on it and telling us what it's like and what all those buzzwords actually do. Um, but yeah, so um, in other uh, phone news. And listen, you know, everyone knows we love foldables. Everybody lo- we I think we talked a little bit about rollables, right? The the rollable phones. I'm absolutely loving the next stage of phone which hopefully Lenovo is bringing to reality. Um and this actually came up during last week's show, but we didn't have time to talk about it. It wasn't truly breaking news, but uh Lenovo and Motorola dis- uh displayed uh their adaptive devices which are basically flexible screens. And uh, if you're listening on the audio show, uh, we're looking at the visual, the photo that they show. Imagine a Android phone vertically oriented as usual, but wrapped around a wrist like a watch. 
right? The whole display, like a like a mm-hmm. like a wristband, right? Like an '80s wristband almost. Right? <laughs> so, um, and you know, this is a uh, this is a concept f- uh, de- uh, device that Motorola is developing, and they've got a video that 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 shows it where you know the user is wearing a. Uh, a, a watch band or a wristband, and clearly the phone attaches to it so, through somehow through some sort of clip or magnet type thing, and then wraps around the wrist, and then it goes on to show the phone sitting on its own kind of uh, easel or kind of its own kind of stand, which is the foldable display, right? The the I don't even know what to, mm-hmm. what to call this. Fo- foldable doesn't feel. It, it, you know, bendable, bendable, bend- bendable, bendable, bendable feels malleable. more feels more accurate here, right? Um, but uh, it's got a bunch of different configurations. You know, in addition to the watch version where it wraps around the wrist, it's got one where the bottom third is folded down, so the phone is up, kind of showing that. Another one where it's folded in half, almost looking like a flip phone. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you what do you get, what do you think of this? Is is this the future of phones or? Maybe stay on your wrist. Well, the clip. No, the clip, I, no like right? I want them to. Around. I'm like, I want that person to turn their wrist over and then no. shake their wrist a little bit to look, see if it actually stays. Look at the on. clip. Do you, do you see? The, do you see the little clip? Do you see right there? Like there's a Is there's it? a little pad oh. there. Oh, right? wait, yeah. for real? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, 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 actually just oh, so we're, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing back into the left, like the, the Zapruder film from JFK here. But, um, <laughs> the person is wearing a watch band that has a flat panel on it. And then the phone kind of snaps onto it and wraps around it. So I, okay. I bet you it, it's staying connected that way. Um, I was hoping yeah. it was like a, like like those old slap bracelets we had like in the nineties. You know, it's a slap bracelet. Kinda... That's what it, it's a slap bracelet phone. That's how they should be marketing it. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, but then of course parents were starting to worry about slap bracelets like cutting cutting kids' wrists. I'm so sorry, not to imply any self harm or anything, yeah. but yeah. Could you imagine yeah. the safety? But yeah, um, I, I like it. Like, uh, I really like that That there's one formation where it almost looks like a snake, kind of like almost a cobra, yep. where the, there's like an S-curve in it. And I like the idea of it. And of course, everything is ridiculous until it's not. So it, it does feel very sci-fi, which is where well, we'd like to see things go, right? Just different. I do love the sci-fi element of it. The the, the other video that they showed um, is like a a you know kind of slice of life video where a woman folds the phone in half to set it up to take a picture of herself and she takes a selfie of her top and then um t- selfie of her shirt where you know the the top that she's wearing and then mm-hmm. it uses ai to generate a theme based on her shirt's print for her phone so like we've got the merging of the form factor of the phone folding and being able to do it with the AI elements of mm-hmm. Motorola to to generate ooh, and we get a great shot of her snapping the the phone onto her wrist bracelet to then make the 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 the, the wrist version of it um, and this is probably the best example of it where we see it snaps right on there and then folds around it which is just ridiculous I'm sorry it it is and it matches no, her honestly- matches her outfit. If it if it actually like is sturdy enough for you to take it on like an out, outdoor run, because right. you know a lot of people get those straps to like put their phone mm-hmm. in, right? a waterproof. Yep. If it's actually like some somewhat water resistant and able to hold on while you're running, I could see actually people actually. Yeah. You know, I would like that, Michelle. Actually, the yeah, as you said, because that's already a use case that we have today is like your wearables and your fitness things on your arm. I do think that's interesting because then it's out of your way. It's not cause that's the one thing. It looks very bulky, and I think most people would not like that past like 15 minutes of novelty. But being out of the way on your arm even would be super interesting. I like. I do like that. Yeah. So all all of this came from. All of this came from Lenovo's Tech World uh, 2023 presentation, which, you know, I now I kind of wish I had watched live 
uh, if I had known that it was going to have this kind of crazy stuff happening with it. So, um, and uh, you can go find it. Just search for Motorola adaptive display or foldable, and you'll find it on there. I love it. Motorola, you're crazy. You be you. Continue on. It's fantastic. So, <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Love so, it. Yep. Well, to go with something new, we have something old. Oh, not necessarily old. Let's call it retro. Retro is a little bit kinder. So there is going to be a new version of the Galaxy Z Flip 5. For those of you who miss your SG HE700s, this was an old phone back in the day. It was an iconic phone for Samsung because it was one of their first that was a built-in antenna. So if you kind of remember the old flip phones, the little, you know, uh, one horn sticking up on the side, which was your antenna. Some of them actually did have the antenna that pulled out. I remember mine. I broke it really fast. But yeah, the Samsung SG HE700 was a big step up. And it was pretty, I, I think it was pretty sexy phone. It had like a very distinctive front display and a very nice kind of blue, what, what do they call that? Like their indigo blue color. Well, if you had one and you missed it and you are noticing that Samsung is getting back into obviously flips these days, there is the Galaxy Z Flip 5 Retro for you, which is specifically a homage to this phone. It uses the same indigo and silver colors, colorways as the original phone did. And in fact, the front display, the flex window is styled to be like that old front cover of the SGH E700. Same colors, same font. They even have like pixel art style just to kind of give you that retro vibe. And yeah, it, it's an attractive version of the phone. And I think, it, you know, the, that, that phone, the SGH E700 did end up with being with having over 10 million units shipped, which is kind of amazing uh, for any phone, especially of that era. So just a celebration of a very, you know, very attractive and successful Samsung. So I, I think that's kind of goes in with the branding that and marketing that Samsung has done. And they did open their Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event with a look into the past to be like, hey, we've been doing We've been innovating and succeeding forever. And so this seems appropriate to kind of dress up their new hotness with the old hotness. So if that's you and you miss your SGH E700, you, there's a flip out there for you, a Galaxy Z flip. I, I do think, I, I think it's fascinating that they're doing this. I think it's genius. And I also want to applaud Samsung for maintain, for establishing and maintaining their own Samsung Tomorrow Hall of Fame highlighting yes. the 10 million seller club and like showing the nine phones that have sold more than 10 million uh, units across their history uh, going back to 2002 to 2011 um, which I, I the, the audacity of doing this and put whoever put this together is just like it's, and and this is a great if you can go if you're listening to the audio show go find it online you can find just look for Google uh, Samsung 10 million seller club you'll find the graphic we're talking about but it's this little infographic with all this information about the various phones, you know, and, I, I, and I, what I love is like after after five other phones, they get to 2008's SGH J700, and the description is another great phone with superior function, design, and price. That's it. No other, no other real fe features or function of it. Yeah, just, it's another great phone. We're so great. We're patting ourselves on the back. We're Samsung. Look how great we are. It's like, oh my god. It's it's like that SNL joke, the Five Time Club, yeah, where it's a bunch, you know, like timers. Steve Martin, yeah. Tom Hanks, and they start congratulating each other. It starts to feel like that. It's like, yeah, we know you, Samsung. You probably have. We get it. You're a star. You have a. You have many notches in your belt in regards to successes but you know it's cool but they run in with but it. hey if you're a respect. samsung enthusiast this is cool this is cool as heck I, and it, it, it and, is a cute and if, Go if google came out with a g1 
version of a pixel, I would be all over it, right? Oh, like, dude, yeah, I yeah. would buy that in a second. Yeah, exactly. I would buy that in a second. Yeah. That is true. Google, if you do that. What is the one thing that that even Android is not um, uh, susceptible to? It's that everyone loves nostalgia. Nostalgia, nostalgia always works, <laughs> and I, I'll be. I, I think this is going to be a trend that we'll see with other phones picking up in terms of like you love this phone twenty years ago. Now here's the new version, and we saw it with the Motorola Razor right when it came out. It was you know it was like you love the Razor. Here it is. Here's the new one, right? So uh, they even oh. had the iconic uh, the Motorola Razor dialer. Yeah, like just that. Oh just yeah. Throwback to that dialer. Yeah. So. Oh, I, as Techno mentioned in the chat, mentioned yes, I would buy also a a a, a nostalgic Nexus. Phone. Oh God, yeah. Uh, if you could read, if you could re- do me a, a, like a revamped or reincarnated Nexus Five, also buy in a heartbeat. Yep. Um, I also actually, forgot to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michelle. No, I mean I was just actually like cleaning out my closet. I discovered my Nexus Five, my Nexus Four, my Nexus Six, and Six B. I was like, I forgot I still had. You should these. mount them. You should make like a shadow box with them all <gasps> mounted, and then yes. yeah, so yeah, that'd be great. I should do that for my background. I need to redo my background. Yeah. I, that's a great that's idea. A idea. Shadow, shadow box. All right, cool. Like well, we got it. one more hardware story here about a little bit, little more future fo- forward, right, Michelle? That's right, Ron. Uh, so, you know, we've been talking about the OnePlus Open a lot because both Ron and I have one. We got it for review. And uh, a couple of details that were missing that we didn't know about when we first got the phone yeah. during the briefing was that um, the OnePlus Open actually supports stylus input. And... This is something we asked. Like I think we did. Uh, someone asked yeah. during the briefing, does the OnePlus Open support stylus input? And they said, no, it doesn't. But lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, one user on Reddit decided to try out the Oppo Pen, which okay. is a pen that's exclusive, exclusively available in China and was released for the Oppo Find N2, as well as the Oppo Find N3, which, if you'll recall, is identical in hardware to the OnePlus Open. Yep. So... Um, Lo and behold, it works. It works on both the inner display and actually the outer display, which is a new feature of the Oppo Find N3 slash OnePlus Open. And not even the Z Fold 5 supports um, pen input on the outer display. So that's one leg up. That's one thing that the OnePlus Open slash Oppo Find N3 has over the Z Fold 5. Although um, there's no way to actually buy this Oppo <laughs> pen outside of China. Like I said, oh. and it's like over 100 bucks. So uh, if you wanted to take advantage of pen input on your OnePlus Open, you're going to have to import this stylus from China. I don't actually know what stylus technology, like what digitizer technology uh, Oppo shipped on this device. So I couldn't tell you whether or not the stylus you want to use is compatible. I know that someone tried the Surface Pen, the Surface, uh, the pen that comes with the Surface Laptop Studio, and that doesn't work. Um, the OnePlus Pen that comes with the OnePlus Pad, that doesn't work also because that has to be... Um, paired by putting it on the side of the device, and there's no way to do that with the OnePlus Open. But uh, yeah, it's surprising that this device does support pen input. And there are a couple other things that are also surprising about this device. Like uh, the other day, someone discovered that you you can actually put this device into a tent mode. Um, OnePlus didn't tell us that that's possible, but another user on Reddit figured out that if you just you know fold your device like a tent, I'm showing you for video listeners like this, and you put it down and you open a YouTube video, if you get it at the right angle, you can actually have YouTube video playing on the outer display uh, while the inner display is turned off. And that's something we didn't know about either. Google, like OnePlus didn't point it out during the briefing or during the launch event. OnePlus is so wacky. I love them. No wireless charging, but tent mode and stylus support, which I know some people love stylus. I love it. Yeah, it's like it works with the stylus, but you can't get the pen so that it works with. (laughs) No, that also. Yeah. I mean, you can, but you're just going to pay for it. But yeah. So, um, (laughs) 
Yes, uh, OnePlus always full of surprises there. Good stuff. All right, cool. Um, we got some apps news uh, going back to Samsung land. Right, when? Yes, if you have been eagerly waiting for One UI 6.0, which is, of course, the, ver- the flavor of One UI built on Android 14, well, if you are in Europe, uh, specifically Germany, the UK, sorry, I've lost my list all of a sudden. But yeah, if you're in Europe, you will probably be getting the One, one UI 6.0 beta rolling out soon. Uh, if you are very interested and want to check numbers, the firmware version is 6916BXXU3BWJM. Go outside your car. Uh, outside your car lights are on. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, there, it's been a while. And of course, it's, it's a big surprise given that we just got Android 14 on October 4th. And here we are uh, on Halloween night, October 31st. And people are getting the beta program rolling out um, with a stable release. But there you go. One UI 6 on the train. Rolling out the station, coming to a country, a European country near you very soon. Um, I believe Germany already had the rollout going. And let me see. Let me try to find my list. Is it UK, Norway? I'm sorry. I, I've just totally scrolled past my list. But yeah, if you're in the if you're in, in the EU, um, look to be getting that One UI 6.0 beta. Yay, Samsung users. Enjoy. Um, yes. All right. Uh, going back to Google land, Michelle, what do we got with Maps. So uh, back at I.O., Google announced a new immersive view for routes feature that basically gives you a really beautiful, detailed view of the route you want to take. Say you want to bike along the water to the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco with the new immersive view feature that's rolling out in a couple of cities, including Amsterdam, Barcelona, Dublin, Florence, Las Vegas, London, uh, a bunch of other cities that you can read about on the Google blog. Um, You can see a multi-dimensional view from start to finish of your route. And you can like scroll through in the timeline, basically seeing what the real time weather conditions will be like. So you can plan whether or not it's going to be raining or like what, what you should wear based on the weather conditions on your route. And um, this feature Google says uses AI. Um, I don't exactly know how it's used. Everything AI, uses says, AI. That's why I wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah. Everything uses AI. <laughs> <laughs> the next feature that they announced is lens, Google lens integration in maps. This was previously called Search with Live View, and this also uses AI to help you uh, acclimate yourself whether you're navigating a new city or looking up local gems. So all you got to do is tap the lens icon in the app, and then you can lift your phone up to find information about you ATMs, transit stations, restaurants, etc. Um, I'm sure if you're like navigating a new city, you've probably done this before, the new Live View where you like just point your phone up to like look around and identify things. This is basically just a supercharged, a more smarter version of that. And they're expanding this feature to more than 50 new cities, including Austin, Vegas, Rome, Sao Paulo, and Taipei. And then they're also rolling out new detailed maps to everyone. So um, if you notice in the past couple of weeks, the, the, the colors of the maps app have gotten like bluer and like a more, like a different tone. Um, I think Ron is showing it right now on the video feed. Um, This basically helps you easily more easily distinguish the roads from the, you know, the grass and all the other stuff. And also they're including more realistic buildings so that you can help, you know, better orient yourself as you're driving downtown or like if you need to find where you're going next. There's all sorts of other things that are coming in the Google Maps app um, that are available on phones, on iOS, Android, and also in Android Automotive. And there's also some changes related to EV information. Um, They're, I think they're rolling out 
uh, more helpful charging station information. So like, you know, if you rely on finding charging stations through Google Maps, you'll be able to find out whether or not the chargers are fast, medium or slow. And um, you can also see when the charger was last used so that you don't go to a broken charger accidentally. And these are rolling out globally this week, wherever they already show charging information. Cool. If we can go back to that first one, um, the immersive view, this is super cool and looks great. And it's completely impractical if you're actually trying to get somewhere. Right. And like they've been tweaking maps in a way. And like this reminds me like my maps kind of complaint. Um, they've recently adjusted. I don't think they show it here in this blog post, but they recently adjusted in Google Maps in the app. Uh, the split screen between the photo of street view plus the directions, which when I'm driving in the car and I'm trying to look at my phone for directions is completely clutters the screen. I'm like, I don't want to see the street view. I just want to see left turn on this road. Right. And you're making the screen. I can see that even smaller. Now I know I'm supposed to have my phone hooked up to the, to the car and have it telling me and stuff like that. But like, sometimes you just, I don't want all this stuff. I just want a list of directions. So it is very funny how they're, they're, they're doing really cool stuff with AI, making it look beautiful, but it's also impractical at the same time, if that makes sense. So <laughs> I think it really depends on your familiarity. Yeah. Like if you're in a totally new city and you're going, you know, by foot and the place you're like going through is like a maze, maybe like, you know, like yeah. a park or like, you know, like you're going around some uh, like a mini, like a forest or something, you know, you want to go through and like there's a lot of things like the turn, left turn. This might help, you know, just getting a visual see like, oh, I saw that on the map and this place in real yeah. life that looks like that. And now I know to go right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's neat, it's neat to see the see it evolve, and of course the UI is the AI stuff is always fun, and and the and the UI aspect of seeing the weather and all that sort of stuff is neat. But again, it's like I just want to know where I'm going. I just want to get there. So fair enough. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> um, and sticking with Google, one last one. We were talking about Google Wallet and when with your with your state ID, but uh, they posted a, to the the Google blog recently about uh, the things they're doing with Google Wallet to make commuting easier. And um, I gotta, I gotta admit myself, being a New York City commuter and riding the subway and using Google Wallet to pay for my transit costs—no more MetroCard, no more anything like that. Just tap my phone on the terminal, and it does the check mark, and I go through. Is a mm-hmm. delight, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's like the, the, you know, the fact that they're, they, you know, they say they're rolling it out to 500 cities across the world, um, integrating, uh, you know, across uh, the various different systems in every in every different city. Here, the example is the Orca card, um, you know, depending on where you are. Um, they're all, you know, this is Orca is used in Seattle and Puget Sound, and there's the Oyster card in London and MetroCard New York and all this sort of stuff. So it's great that they're making it all work with everybody. Um, you can also store you know, those digital transit cards, QR codes and barcodes in your wallet. Um, and then this is really neat. They've integrated that you could buy tickets straight from maps. So if you're looking at a map in terms of Ooh. where to get somewhere and it says in order to take that bus, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, you need a Clipper card. In order to do that, you can actually buy the Clipper card directly from Google Maps and have it go in your wallet. So you just go on your way, which is really, uh, really handy. So um, very, very cool. So uh, that is super useful. Like one thing when I'm traveling is like figuring out where to buy the card. So mm-hmm. it's like, like some online portal and like just figuring out where to do that. And then like going through all the steps involved to actually buy the card can be a hassle. So just having it right there in maps will be super useful. Yeah. 
For sure. Yeah, and also like having to fumble with your wallet and take things out in a strange city where you don't know anyone, especially big cities, a little bit not so great. But so just yeah. being able to pull out your phone and tap it is awesome. Um, my bad. Also, I just wanted to correct um, the. By the way, the One UI 6.0 stable is only releasing out to Galaxy S23 beta users. I'm so sorry. I missed that detail. So oh, my bad. Actually, actually, it is rolling out for stable users. As oh, well. is it? Okay, great. So it's yeah, everybody. Yeah. All right, because cool. I, I yeah. had that in my notes. Okay, good. So it's everybody. All right. Well, then just I not retract- in the U.S. right now. Just not in the U.S. Okay, so I retract my correction. All right, there you go. There you go. EU beta users. Period. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Uh, well, let's get to wrap it up for apps. Um, and now we want to hear from you, the Android faithful. You can email us at contact at androidfaithful.com. And we got, we're continuing to get a bunch of emails. You guys are delivering. It's fantastic. Um, and here is our first one um, responding to an email from last week uh, where Hilton, who wrote in, was uh, having difficulty with wiping his device and installing the beta, not installing the beta. Um, uh, first email says, Sorry, Hilton, but I think you've misunderstood the nature of beta testing. The beta testing of a new operating system might start with the expectation that users will be able to move forward to a new production OS or back to an older OS without losing data and or configuration. But in the real world, this is not always the case for all sorts of reasons. If you're not prepared for the possibility of having to do a nuke and pave of your device, I suggest you avoid beta software and beta, beta operating systems in particular. Uh, and this comes from Peter, uh, who says, P.S., if you remember me and are wondering what my current number of open Chrome tabs on, is on my Pixel 3, the answer is 37. And yes, Peter, how could we forget you and your insane of course, amount of open Chrome tabs? Yes. Um, and uh, heed your warning. Uh, your mileage may vary. Your, your, uh, the road can be dangerous if you're playing with beta software. So, uh, Hilton, we hope you uh, were able to navigate that and maybe take Peter's advice. Um, so there you go. All right. On to our next email. Yes, and our next email is from Will in Tigard. To sorry, Tigard, Oregon. If I'm saying that wrong, write in to and guard, correct me. Yeah. To guard. Uh, so Will writes and says, "Hi, Android faithful. You asked for pictures of car mounts, so I figured I show you. I'd show you my setup. I use a Pro Clip mount with an ESR Halo, Halo Lock MagSafe mount for my S23 Ultra. I have the Gala Apple case for MagSafe to work. This car is my 2021 Camaro SS. Ooh. My first V8. It's been a great car so far. Sounds fun, dude. Um, the pictures were taken on my Galaxy Tab S9 Plus and my S23 Ultra. Thanks for the great show. I've been a fan of you guys since the Buzz Out Loud days and appreciate all the work you put into the show. Will in... Tigard, 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 Tigard. Well, regardless, Will sent photos, and all right, everybody. So, audio listeners, I encourage you to go check out the video show to see these photos. But we'll do our best to describe them. But it is it is a sight to see. Um, and there is his Camaro, um, pretty inside, pretty lots beautiful. of red and highlights and things like that. But you can see. On his dashboard, on his display in his car is the video version of our show, which is just insane. And he zooms in a little and you can see his phone is attached to the MagSafe uh, device there that is and it's got the cable plugged in. And that's what's driving the video, which is just insane. Um, and he uh, also provided a photo of the car, which is a very pretty white Camaro. Um, but he also provided links. So this is the... ESR magnetic wireless car charger mount with Cairo Cryro Boost Halo Lock um, uh, available on Amazon for just twenty nine bucks, um, and then uh, he also provided the Pro Clip that he's using, uh, the best phone mount for your car. Um, 
Yeah. And, and the pro clips are you choose the exact year, make and model for your car. Yeah. And so that, you know, they, they generally tend to fit well and are not like destructive or loose fitting or ill fitting. Yeah. So I keep meaning to get one for my Subaru and I just keep forgetting, but it is a good reminder. There is a very specialized ma- uh, car mount company out there. Yeah. And then he also provided the Gal Apple Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra Case Magnetic Clear with Black Line Reinforced Magnets compatible with MagSafe accessories. So it's a strange new world where MagSafe and Android are living in harmony, but uh, here we are. I think it's uh, I think it's wild. So um, <laughs> very cool stuff. Can't wait for T2 to where we finally get real MagSafe on Android. Yeah. yeah. We're, yeah, exactly. yes, please. So all right, and then um, finally, our last email uh, comes in from Adam in San Diego, who actually he wrote in a couple of weeks ago, and we cut the email because the show was running long, um, and so he actually sent in an update. So his original email says, hey, crew, just a PSA to share a problem I started having recently that apparently is plaguing a lot of Android users from the Nest community forum I posted on in case any other people are having the issue. There's a new bug where if you have a Nest doorbell, you can't talk to the person at the door and hear them through your speaker phone at the same time. The visitor can hear you, but when they talk, the audio only comes through the phone earpiece speaker, not the phone's downward firing speaker. So essentially, you have to put put the phone to your ear to hear them, which means you can't see them and talk to them at the same time. Uh, no acknowledgement from Google yet to confirm the bug. It's still happening to me. If anyone knows anything more, would love to hear. Adam in San Diego. Um, and he follows up with an update. Uh, he literally emailed, I think it was today. And he says, Google still hasn't addressed or acknowledged the issue from what I can see. It's still affecting me and every other Android user I know with Nest cams and doorbells, rendering core functionality of the product useless. I've been so disappointed with Google's product support lately, especially with cams and doorbell. I may abandon them completely. Feels like they just don't care anymore. Um, and that's from Adam in San Diego. And in the uh, Google Nest support forum, he sent along the link to the issue um, that apparently has been happening since May of 2023. And there's a lot of people talking about it, but no acknowledgement from Google or Nest as of yet. So um, if you were like Adam in San Diego and you're having a problem with your Nest doorbell, um, write in, let us know. We'll, hopefully we can try to... Anyone at Nest listening to the show or Google, please escalate this issue. Please help Adam out. Um, I, I always hate it when people hear that they're losing faith uh, in product support of any company, not just Google. Like you know, the the, the core of doing business is providing that support to their customers. Um, so yeah. So anyway, thank you, Adam, for writing in, and thanks you to everybody for writing in. Uh, Email us at contact at androidfaithful.com. Uh, and that's gonna wrap up the show for the this week. It was a fun one. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So, I'm Michelle, surprised I didn't get nearly as many trick-or-treaters as I thought I would. I did get a couple during the show. Are you are you disappointed? Were you watching them on your on your doorbell cam? Oh yeah, I was getting the alerts on my phone and my watch nice. as they were like <laughs> uh picking up candy. Yep. Oh, we we got we got way less also. We got cleaned out last year and I I mean we have a lot of candy left. We might just leave it out for the teenagers yeah. to feast upon, there you go. which my sister was sending updates during the show and they have a cam and just a lot of people not in costumes, a little bit too old to be out. Just like locusts around the boat. We, we got a lot boat. of, I, I noticed we got a lot of repeat visitors, which I think is a good, like, which is good. Cause like we had good candy then. So there you go. I'll take it. But I'm like, I've seen that kid before. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Um, so let's wrap this sucker up. Michelle, where can people find you on the internet? So I am available on all the social media platforms, including Twix, at Michelle Ramon, Mastodon, Threads, Reddit, uh, did I miss anything? Telegram, Discord, 
Although all the social medias at Michelle Ramon. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michelle Ramon if you want to follow and support my work. Um, there's multiple tiers. The lowest is $3 a month. And you can also get access to my Discord where I talk a lot with the community about things I'm working on, things I find, and just generally chit-chat about various things related to Android and Pixel and Google and all that jazz. Cool. All that jazz. Now, now I picture you in a Fosse musical about Android. So um, there you <laughs> go. All right. Uh, Wynn, how about you? Hi. Yeah, I'm an Android dev normally, and I like to work my magic uh, on various things Android-y, uh, usually UI, Jetpack, and Post stuff, but all aspects of it. I do speak about my Android magic, and you can find my talks associated code video and other things on my website randomlytyping.com and otherwise you can find me on social media places at queen code monkey except if you're talking about the fediverse then i'm at queen code monkey at mastodon.social right on um and i am ron xo across the internet um whether it's twix or instagram or mastodon or blue sky and all that sort of stuff i'm most active on instagram so definitely go follow me there um, but if you're looking for more podcasts to listen to i was recently on uh my other podcast i fanboy uh, where we were talking about uh, our monthly movies and tv discussion where we talked about killers of the flower moon the new martin scorsese leonardo dicaprio film um a great conversation there about the film i'm a big marty fan um uh spoiler i really like Killers of the Flower Moon, despite it being nine weeks long. Um, so you can go listen to that over at ifanboy.com. Um, and thank you to everybody who listens to that show and listens to this show um, because you are all the best in the world. Um, head over to androidfaithful.com where you can find our website with links to all the different platforms we're on where you can subscribe to the show. You can see show notes uh, for this episode, watch the video, uh, go get a link over to go check us out on Patreon where you can sign up to support the show. It's all there at androidfaithful.com. We appreciate everybody who visits that and listens to the show. Uh, this show records every Tuesday night uh, on youtube.com slash daily tech news show and on twitch.tv slash good day internet um, and then it meets, releases immediately uh, audio feeds on the podcast every Tuesday night um, and we just love talking about Android and we like you and doing it with us so until next time we're Android Faithful powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.